Hello, everybody, and welcome again to Wednesday Night Live here in the fast-moving month of April. My goodness, it just seems like yesterday that we enjoyed a seminar here in Dallas, and um, now here we are on April 21st. It's, it's uh, amazing how quickly uh, these days are flying by. But it is also amazing to know the love of the Lord and His presence during these really unique times. My name is Ron Crawford. I am the pastor of the Father's Church in Dallas, Texas. And I am very happy to be able to reach out to my congregation as well as to our extended family of the saints in the U.S. and in so many other nations. Welcome. We have been privileged to be able to study recently a topic that I believe is one of the most important that God has ever shown us. And it came about prophetically through uh, a direction wherein we, uh, we explore what it means to really be receiving insights from God. And over the past few weeks, we've talked about this, and there's no sense rehashing everything that we've talked about to this point. But the main thing is that we are to understand in God, but the base of our understanding is commune with him. Our understanding cannot be solely the accumulated insights that we've been taught over the years. That's a base upon which we build and process. But true biblical understanding has to come from that place of commune with God, communing with the breath of God uh, in that area where God has placed his spirit within us. Now, that's what we've studied over the past few weeks, and it is biblically very clearly defined. And I encourage any of you who are tuning in for the first time to go back through the archive and listen to some of those messages. Uh, I also want to make it very clear that you find a duality. Now, maybe that's not a good word. You find the way God deals with his people always from a principle of two. What you have been established in and from that base where God wants to take you. You have parets and parats standing in the gap and breakthrough. You have the apocalypsis of the entirety of the wisdom of God. And then you have musterion breakthrough, continuing revelation of his ongoing mystery. You have the Logos, which is the eternal word of God. And then you have the Rhema, which is those words that are uh, progressively being given. Uh, it, the list goes on of examples. Uh, you, have, uh, you have Kronos, which is the overall timing of God. And then you have the Kairos, the Kairos moment. And then how you deduce... Uh, from that Kairos moment, what God is doing in the Kainos, which is the new wine. So you have that progression, and there are many other examples that we could use that God says, you be faithful in what I'm giving you, and from that I will lead you forward. Now, God uses many different ways to, to uh, influence that it's even though this principle that I just uh, detailed is true, it manifests itself in ways that are not according to our timetable. It depending upon what God is wanting to accomplish, but the principle in Him is always true. So we come to what we've been studying. And we've talked about how understanding a base of 
noose, what our mind what our mind has accumulated is a base part of understanding. But according to the scripture, how that understanding is accentuated and added to and developed is through this word friend, P-H-R-E-N, or um, phrenesis, or many of the other derivatives, which basically says from the middle section of who we are, from the from the diaphragm, from the place of breathing. And so you have to say that whatever you've learned, whatever you've known in God is wonderful. Now, I'm not talking about traditions and I'm not talking about doctrines of man. I'm talking about things that are cardinal virtues of God. But for them to be complete and for them to have true meaning, you have to have fellowship with God. You have to be breathing that fresh breath from God. And then that fuels that fuels fresh understanding and creative understanding. Now, so often through the New Testament, understanding is the English word that is translated to describe both of those things. And while true, it's not really functional in the way the Spirit uh, intended. Because you have to have that principle. Something that's established, you're faithful in it, you, you study, you become masters of that through study and prayer and being a workman, needing not to be ashamed. But then you have to be in commune with God. And by commune, I don't mean you know, laying out all of your prayer requests or just praying before your meal, or before you go to bed. I mean spending time with God, praying in the spirit, praying in the breath, uh, letting God commune with you and letting his spirit guide you into fresh truths, those things that have not been seen to this point, but that in God's wisdom and his timetable, he wants to lead us into. We cannot go forward in God without that kind of interaction and commune. It's just not in his equation. As much as he loves you, it's not. And see, that's why in the church, uh, and I grew up in the church, I value my upbringing. I value the education I received. But so often, at least in the, in the movement I was in, you, any fresh thing was immediately debunked. Any new thing was immediately crossed off because it wasn't the way we've always done them. And we had to wait until it became what all the other churches were doing before we said, oh, this is what God's saying. Um, that won't get you very far in the wisdom, uh, you know, in this world, if you're in business. If, you, if you're the last, if you're the runt of the litter, and you show up and the and the bin is empty, <laughs> you're you're gonna be hungry and you're gonna get scrawny, but yet the church operates that way. Now I understand how we need to be wise and we need to process things. On the other hand, you have Christians who will just dive into everything without thinking, as long as it's hip, as long as it's something new and fresh with manifestations. Man, we're on board. That's overreaction. But somewhere in the mature middle, the moderation the Apostle Paul spoke about, are people that recognize we've got to be in communion with God and we've got to be willing to be obedient to what he says to do. Otherwise, he will pass us by and we will be picking up the scraps. Uh, I, I, I can't stress this enough. So when you see in the New Testament... God using, God's, God's Spirit using certain words to describe themes that are absolutely essential, it would be good for us to understand what those words meant in the society from which that language was brought forward. So, we've talked about noose, the mind, and then 
revelation that comes through commune with God, friend. Well, wisdom, you've got the same pattern. You have Sophia or Sophos, which is the base accumulation of wisdom. But then you have a word that is many, 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 many times in the New Testament referenced and translated as wisdom, but it's phronomos or phronesis. And that is from friend. And that means based upon what you know as a practical person, as a person of accumulated wisdom, God wants to breathe something new. It's translated as prudent several times in the New Testament. And that's the base of wisdom. But again, that that base and then the um, the exponential dimension of wisdom, which is phronomos. Let's read a passage of Scripture. We're going to talk about this more. And you say, well, I don't want to learn this. I don't nah, 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 nah. Some people, you know, saints, pneumaticos people, you got to be smarter than this. You really have to be because we're talking about the Scripture here. We're talking about keys that unlock the eternal word of God, which will never pass away. How God moves through you. And this is not rocket science. This is very easy to understand. Every one of you, I could understand back in the day when I first graduated out of seminary, um, when you talked about the study of Greek and Hebrew, it was relegated to those who had actually gone to seminary. And, you know, it really was baffling. The best you had was Strong's Concordance, that big, huge book, or Young's. But now all of you, well, I would think most of you, have a Bible program on your phone, and you have the ability to key into a specific word in the good old anointed King James, see what that word is, and then study, just with a click of the of the finger, you can see where all that word is used in the New Testament. It would be very important for all of us to understand what that means. Now, some of you I know are still just using Strong's. That's fine. But that's an entry level. Some of you are using the dictionary to describe these words. Please forgive me, but shame on you. <laughs> I mean, I, how can you expect Noah Webster or Funkin' Wagnall to be able to detail things that were what the original languages meant? If you're getting a definition of an English word and thinking that's the bastion of biblical knowledge, that doesn't even make sense. So it's very easy to study these things. I don't know, how, how do you study anyway? How do you study the Bible? Do you just read some scriptures and have a sip of coffee and think, oh, that's really good? Or do you study the Bible by listening to whatever's going down the pike in the internet? God help you if you do. That's like every wind of doctrine blown about by it. So we as pneumaticos people need to be smarter than that. And it's very easy to be smarter than that. It's very easy to know the scripture. So... Um, in, in the Bible, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 8 through 12, it's talking about Jesus. It says in verse 8, wherein he has abounded toward us in all wisdom, that's Sophia, and prudence, that's phronesis. Those are the two aspects of wisdom from the divine. So, who has abounded toward us in that? Jesus. I think we would want to know what Jesus abounded in toward us, wouldn't we? So here you have wisdom, Sophia and Phronesis, that accumulated measure of understanding and common, common sense, and then revelatory understanding, to be prudent in something. Phronesis, which comes from, I would say Sophia comes from studying and paying attention. It's the accumulated grasp of what God has revealed in his word. 
phronesis is on the basis of that, you're spending time with God and God is saying, I want you to consider this. This is a direction for you from this point. Boom. That's applied wisdom. And Jesus abounded toward us in all of this, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he has purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven, which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestinated according to his purpose, to the purpose of him who works all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Christ. So, there you have those two words put together in the midst of a discussion regarding his mystery, his will, and how we have been predestinated or the boundaries of what God wants from us set out. So if you're going to function according to his mystery, if you're going to function according to his will, if you're going to function according to why he has put you on this earth, if you're going to function in, in the measure of his glory, you better recognize what Jesus abounded toward you in this accumulated measure of Sophia and that commune understanding of, of present truth wisdom. Let's look at this a little bit more, okay? So pay attention to this. And that's the beauty of this kind of lesson. If you really want to, you can listen to this again. And if you're on, if you are on um, some of the other channels wherein this is uh, available to you, maybe you're on Spotify, you can listen to this message in 1.5 speed, 1.8 speed, 2.5 speed. You can get through it quickly. At the time, you could be watching Tucker Carlson before his first commercial break. You could hear half of this message. So you have the time to do this. Let's be smart people um, because uh, pneumaticos folks are supposed to be expert in the things of the Spirit. Let's, let's strive to be that, can we? Okay, so for the Greeks, they were really interested in wisdom and knowledge. They, they, loved, they loved this business of, uh, of uh, ethics and reason and figuring things out. And so um, one of their great philosophers and philosophy is uh, an accumulation of Sophia. And you like Sophia. That's what philosophy is. What's your philosophy? How do you, what, what have you learned that has become the framework of how you function and how you live your life, your Sophia? Uh, you, how do you like that? That's what your philosophy is. Um, he said that phronesis, or this divine revelation, was one of the four, Aristotle said, was one of the four necessary virtues and with that, phronesis was temperance, courage, and justice. So let's look at those. What is courage? The cowardly lion lacked courage. What do they have that I haven't got? Courage. Um, that's, you know, you can be trained. You can be a soldier. You can have the best weaponry. You can have, uh, you can have a nice uniform. You can have just the, the best type of training. But when it comes to the time where you're actually going to do something in the face of peril, that action at the moment, that's courage. Temperance. How do you deal with the challenges in life? Do you go off the handle? Do you run away? Do you reach for a narcotic or a whiskey shot? How do you deal with that? Or do you stand when it seems like everything's going. That's temperance. Um, justice. How do you function in making a determination on the 
basis of law and the basis of the facts to say what is the right answer here. So you add to those three phronesis, which is divine revelation. Now that's what the Greeks believed phronesis was. They held it in high value. So when you see the Spirit of God using this word to describe a capacity of God showing us what we should do, this is what the definition was. Now, so with Sophia then, Sophia is the culmination of all of those things. Uh, you gather that together from your past and you draw conclusions from them and that's the base of Sophia. Does that make sense? So, but phronesis is a practical type of wisdom, but Sophia is more general, more, more abstract. Um, and, and so, uh, then you, you bring it back to what we talked about with understanding. Understanding is different than Sophia. Noose is different than Sophia because noose is a, an accumulation of insights and um, what we study. But, um, but Sophia is, um, is what you've learned from that. Does that make sense? So why is this important again? One of God's seven spirits is the spirit of wisdom and understanding, or the spirit of wisdom and revelation, apocalypsis. So God wants you to have your mind filled with his word and his facts, and he wants you to be open to ongoing revelation of that word. And God wants you to also actually deduce something from your experiences and the combination of what he's taught you and what he's brought you through, and then also to be quick to understand things and to process things. If you want to really move with the spirit of wisdom and revelation, you've got to be able to do that. Sophia is theoretical wisdom, probably. It's kind of like book smart, but it doesn't necessarily mean that Somebody just with that is going to display any understanding of what to do if something comes about. I've known people that were very smart, but when a challenge comes, it's like their brain goes on to overload and they just shut down or they relegate back to um, past uh, experiences, but without any measure of faith or willingness to go forward. I don't mean to criticize those folks, but we all know them. You know, some, some bad phrase, which I don't really, a bad quotation um, that, that I don't really agree with, but I understand where it comes from. It, they would say, those who can't do, teach. That's wrong. I understand where it comes from, but that's wrong because you've got to be willing to do and then teach, which is what Jesus did according to the book of Acts. Um, let, I wanted to tell you one other thing, and this is the end of our Greek lesson. I've seen from the study of this that the development of, um, of this Sophia understanding, like the accumulated wisdom, they thought was through four things. One was the accumulation of data or data. Second was you processing that on a graph in your mind or, or how you process what you've learned. Third is the accumulated knowledge from that and then based upon that and the experience of applying that comes Sophia. But you've got to also then be ready in all of your Sophia to follow what God says at the moment. And that's phronomos or phronesis. Now, let's talk about this in practical terms, shall we? Over what we faced in this past year, I think that this past year has been 
an unprecedented time of preparation for the children of God. We've faced all kinds of tests in our life, in our lives, haven't we? Some people have had to deal with persecution, some with unreasonable scenarios that, that they have to encounter and overcome. Others have battled um, challenges in the home or in the workplace, and, and on and on. But I think that this past year, in the midst of all of the things from fear and paranoia and um, COVID and the election and the unrest in the streets, um, I think that in the midst of all of that, the biggest test that we faced is the test of standing, the test of having to hold your ground when you really don't know how long this storm is going to be going and uh, when it's going to break. You're, you're, in the, you're in the cooler, as, as Hogan's Heroes used to say. You're waiting there. You don't know how, when the end will be. When the, there is, is there an end in sight? <clears throat> or things that you've processed and think the ways you've reacted and, uh, you know, you, you thought things would be a certain way and then they weren't that way. And then you were absolutely sure and all your buddies were sure that this was what's going to happen and then it didn't happen that way. But yet throughout it all, God was true. He was there. That's the biggest test that I think we've really never had to face before. As, as saints, oh yeah, we've faced unimaginable things. We've faced things that have been abominably wrong. Rejection. False accusation. Abandonment. A betrayal. We face spiritual warfare of an unprecedented variety. We have taken steps of faith and gone into the continents of this world and encountered all kinds of scenarios. Every one of them has been an obstacle, but yet God's brought us through them. But one thing we really have not faced is the cocktail of, of capacities and... Um, events that have transpired over this past year, most the least of which, not the least of which is having to just wait and not one, not understanding how God could let certain things happen or why he wasn't doing other things. You know, that is, that is a shaking to the core of who you are. Yeah, it's, it's difficult to face up to an enemy, but you can stand against that if you have any, if you have any devotion at all. Thank God, through His grace, we've been able to do that. But this is a different type of challenge, and it shakes the core of who you are. How much do you trust God? How much are you willing to to, to move? Is your life based upon events and circumstances, but when you, you, you're at a standstill and then you see things around you that are un, unspeakable and you wonder, Lord, what are you doing? Does that shaking do anything? And, and really, it tests your understanding and it tests your wisdom. Now, patience is the common thread through it all, but really what has been, and, and it, you know, I think in, in the spectrum of the seven spirits of God, the enemy hates grace and supplication and wisdom and revelation more than anything. In fact, the scripture speaks about how the enemy would try to take judgment and burning and go immediately to what should be prophecy, but make it bitterness. We're seeing that in our country and our world right now. 
But in the middle of it is something that God's Spirit has really emphasized over the past three years, grace and supplication, wisdom and revelation. And God is developing our understanding scripturally of what those mean, as well as working them in us. Now, it's amazing to me. I'm talking to my saints' family, and I'm, okay, you want, you want me to be an apostle? You want me to be a big brother? You want me to be a pastor to some of you? Well, I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking here. I'm not doing the wooden Indian where I'm just smiling and thinking in my head, you need to buck it up, but don't, you know, just just pray for you. Some of you have shut down. Some of you have stopped studying. Some of you have stopped praying. Some of you are absolutely, if you even hear this message, you, you have no clue as to what we've taught or what God has shown us from his word about grace and supplication or even the past few weeks you may you may have tuned into this haphazardly and you have no clue where the base of uh, the the revelation of the spirit from deep within you don't know what we're talking about and and I don't understand that I have no I have no basis for that and it's not about me it's not about the father's church in Dallas this is the scripture I'm not banging a drum telling you what all these different prophets are saying. We're looking at the scripture here, which is the only thing that's going to last through eternity. And this shaking, this, and and some of you, your schedules have been, you work and you, you know, you, you've had to do things totally differently. You're out of your element and what's suffered is your time spent with God and staying current with the meat of the word. So I'm just telling you, and I'm not telling you so you can go further into the hole you've been hiding in. I'm saying snap it up. I'm not asking you for confessional. I'm not Father Ron. What I'm saying is in these days when everything's been shaken, and if that shaking has resulted in you falling away, Get with it. If, God forbid, you've started sucking up to revelations of doctrines of devils and world speak, purge yourself of that. Come out from among them and be separate. You know, there's a another passage of Scripture, and I think we're going to have to end with this. I am writing about this, and the three of you that will actually read it will, will be able to study it a little bit more. But... Um, Matthew 25, Jesus talks about uh, the, the ten virgins. Let's just read all these verses, okay? You should know this story, but let's read them. Verse 1, Matthew 25. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgin, virgins, which took their lamps and went forward to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were wise, that's our good friend Phronimos, which is ongoing revelation of wisdom. Five were foolish, moros, those who really aren't up to date with the ongoing mysterion of God. And how you do that is by praying in the Spirit and interpreting. Because the Bible says when we pray in an unknown tongue, we speak mysteries. We speak this word, which these five have abandoned. The foolish took their lamps, took no oil with them, but the phronomos took oil in their vessels and their lamps. While the bridegroom tarried, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight there was a cry made, Behold, the bridegroom comes, go you out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the phronomos, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the phronomos answered, saying, Not so, lest there be not enough for us and you. Go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, I don't know you. Watch therefore, for you don't know the day or the hour wherein the Son of Man comes. 
How does this story pertain to what we've been talking about thus far? This is the kingdom of heaven, and this is the time of the end, but also any time God brings his people through a time of waiting on him and then of feasting, which is really the measure of the way the seven spirits move in the ways of God. Well, they all knew initially that the Lord was coming. They all knew they were to wait for him and prepare the way. They all knew that he was going to come when he wanted to come. And they knew what they were supposed to do. But time passes, as it does. And the Bible says they all slept and slumbered. Now, even the wise ones were doing this because you... If there's an, an elongated time frame, you've got to rest. But that rest can either cause you to be lazy or rejuvenated. Which has it done for you? And I'm speaking to me as well here because I face these issues to me. It's easy. Everybody, a lot of people working from home, you know, you just been get up. I, I don't. I come in here every day. But you can be in your jammies until noon. And, you know, you can watch the little TV and do the work you have to do. I know. It's a time of slumber in some ways. Time of sleep. Has it caused you to be lazy? Or has it caused you to invest your time and to preserve these things that no matter where you are, no matter what you're doing, you have to do in God? And, you know, there's another uh, rendition of this where it says, my Lord delays his coming. That's another thing the scripture says. And what that says is, I don't know what God's doing. Maybe he's not coming at all. Where is he? He should have been here by now. That's what cost... Saul, the kingdom. Remember, Samuel was supposed to come. Didn't come in the time Saul thought he was coming. And he came the day later in the new beginning. And, and um, Saul, just that and the other dimension where Saul disobeyed God and did not destroy everything in a city but took the best for himself. Those two things cost him the throne. And I think out of the two, the most, the most demanding is waiting, which is, again, Ken's going to know the favorite verse about the apostle is patience is the first sign of any apostolic move. You've got to learn to wait on God. You've got to be his goodly horse in battle. Even when you don't know what God's doing right now, why is he waiting? My Lord tarries. And so you just, you're not ready. So the Phronomos had their lamps. They were in position. They, they had oil. And I would suggest that the oil was that continuing commune with God. Phronomos. The, the foolish ones gave up. They abandoned the things they'd learned. Oh, yeah, they were in position. They were there. In fact, they were even with the wise ones. They all had the same abilities. They all had the same capacity. But five, half of them, said, meh. And they had their motive. I'm not participating in this more. I'm a conscientious objector. I am, I am not going to participate in this. I just don't understand. The beauty of all of this, if you're one of the latter, if you're one of those ones that have done this, is that there's still time. You're being jostled from your sleep right now. And it's not about what I think. It's not about what anybody else thinks. It's about what you do before God. We've got to be wise, not just book learned, but wise. I, I 
this is, uh, I'm really off on this, but this is the topic that God is really hitting right now. He spent a long time bringing us into a deeper operative understanding regarding grace and supplication, prayer and supplication, and, and how God partners with us in that. And now here in this year of the prophet, he, he launches us into this study, a necessary study of the difference between understanding in the mind and fresh revelation from God, a, an accumulated common sense based upon what we've learned, what we've experienced, and what we've observed, and then God giving us a... a, a an immediacy, a prudence to grasp something and to move in a way that is cutting edge. This is wisdom and understanding. This is part of God's spirit. And this is what we must have. This is what God's hitting. This all, the feast is going to break open. We're going to, we're going to see incredible incredible moves forward in God. And and it's going to be in God's timetable. But now, God's saying, what should you do? You know, there was another parable of the kingdom of heaven where it talks about the wise man who built his house on the rock. And when the storm came, when the sea waves beat, um that um that was that was a saving grace that he was actually wise and he built there i i think i think it's very interesting that um how was that guy who built on a rock phronomos what what could have been other options that he used. Well, he could have been there on beachfront property. That's that's a great location to be in. Some of you are beachers, and that, that's great. And you could you could build right down there near the, near the shore, and you could say, "Oh yeah, I'm going to do this because man, I'm three steps. I'm in the water. Oh, and if I'm a, if I'm a merchant, I can sell all kinds of things to these." weekend beachgoers. I can I can make a lot of money here. You know, we can just live here, make dough, enjoy the enjoy the high life. You're in the right place. You're in a perfect location. You are uh, you're skilled in some ways. But you're not really paying attention to hey, when the tide rises, when the uh, when storms blow up, I'm going to be, this great place I have is going to be destroyed. I mean, what rock is God wanting you to build on right now and commune with him in the midst of this vacillating ebb and flow of what's going on in our country? Now, I'm going to say this. And I know that there are people of many different political persuasions out there. Uh, I've become more of a person who says what's right and what's wrong rather than some ethereal thing of uh, being a Democrat or a Republican, a liberal or a conservative or a far lefty. What's right and what's wrong? You know, I was raised in in very poor surroundings in in a union town which was largely democrat and um i if if anything i should have been raised as a card carrying um person of that political persuasion uh I I think that 
in the society we're living in right now, you can throw out Republican, Democrat, and liberal. You can throw that all out. It's boiling down to what's right and what's wrong, biblically. Biblically. And that's pretty, that's pretty clear. Now, the progressives just want to chunk out the Bible or say it's not for today or it's not accurate. And in doing that, they throw away the word which will never pass away. They're going to answer for that. Because when the word is gone, then anything's game. Anything's up for grabs. You can, you can come up with any kind of doctrine of devils or whichever way the wind is blowing. But the word of God is that thing that says what's right and what's wrong. And so I remember in 2016 when the election was being held between Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump, the Lord said to me at that time, and I said this from the pulpit, that God was giving his people a window, and it was going to be brief, and after that window closed, there was going to be some challenging times. So we needed to be very careful to utilize that window, that opening that God was giving. And I think that we've entered into a time where it's unlike anything we've ever seen in the world. I, in history, I mean, I, I can't believe some of the things that are being said and some of the things that are being pursued that just make no sense. I mean, it just doesn't make no, any sense at all. And do I think this is the, the steep slope to Armageddon? No. Because if you read the scripture, you see things happen in cyclical measures. You see an upswing. You see a downswing. You see Daniel spoke about the end time where the uh, the enemy would try to wear out the saints and the saints would come to a point where they're in triumph but then they seem to be overcome and then they come back into triumph again and then they seem to be overcome um, we we have to be wise and and this boils it all back to what we started with what should we as saints be doing? Let's just talk about what our what our requirements are. Well, we need to be in prayer daily, spending time with God, praying in the Spirit, praying in diversities of tongues, spending time meditating on the Word, remembering the things that God has revealed, biblical definitions stunning to me. I, I like being around people that we can talk about fresh revelation knowing that they understand the last ten revelations that God has given that biblically that build us up to that point. It's frustrating when immediately you know I love these folks but they don't have a clue <laughs> what we've been talking about. I, I seem a little hard today but you know we don't have, we don't have, uh, we don't, we need this in our network. People that will demand accountability. We don't really have that today. We're a, we're a fellowship unit. And that's why many of you have trusted me and trusted this network. We don't overreact. We don't come down hard on people. We don't try to control people. But, and, and I believe that's what God wants. You can't legislate. You can't legislate passion. I can't harangue you into seeking after God. That either comes because you love him and you're devoted or it doesn't. And so we need to be a people of prayer. I mean, spirit-filled prayer. We need to be people who study the word. And who really get in and study the Word. I love sinking my spiritual teeth into the Scripture, especially when the Spirit has guided us into something for that moment. Yeah, I read some other things. I'm tacitly aware of 
some of the other things that are being taught throughout Christendom, but that's not my, that cafeteria is not where I get my nutrition because it's all over the map. It's what sells. And so we need to be, we need to be spending time in the word and we need to be spending time comparing spiritual pneumatikos things with spiritual. So prayer and studying and isn't that what the apostles said back during one of the first crises in the early church? You talk about injustice. You had the old women of the Hebrews and the old women of the Greeks, old folks that at that time didn't have any money. They were starving, and so the church had to come together to feed those, those widow women. This is just what the scripture said. I'm not faulting anybody who's older, anybody who's a widow. I'm not I'm just saying what the scripture says. So they all get up in arms and they start fighting with one another. Sound familiar? The Greeks are after the Hebrews, the Hebrews are after the Greeks. You got Hebrew privilege and you know, you got all this crazy stuff. And the Peter stands up and says, you know what, this just shouldn't be. We're gonna appoint seven men full of faith and wisdom. And we're going to appoint them over this. But we're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the Word. Are you still praying and studying the Word? Or have you given yourself over to the tangle and the nonsense of the Hebrews and the Greeks fighting each other over those poor women? If you're really a Christian, you should be in here fighting for these older folks who are hungry. No, well, not according to Peter. Look, this is nonsense. Take care of everybody. Everybody equal. Not equity, but equal. You know, these Greek women, they haven't had food recently, so let's give them five times as much just to balance things out. Well, you're going to have a bunch of fat old Greek women. And they're going to keel over because their bodies can't handle all that food. We're going to devote ourselves to prayer and to the word. Those are two main things. The two main things. And I ask you, are you doing that? Then with that, what is God's spirit of wisdom and understanding developing right now? He's saying to us that if you are really based on communing with me, with the Spirit, and you are really a student of the Word, you are developing nous and Sophia, wisdom and understanding. But you've got to be ready to keep receiving expanded insights of the Word and expanded dimensions of what you should do and what you shouldn't do. That's pneumatikos understanding and pneumatikos wisdom based upon the, the, um, the accumulated measure of understanding and wisdom. See, the church, I grew up in it. And some of you start getting twisty because you don't, for whatever reason, you don't want me speaking the truth. And maybe because you're entrenched in that and you don't really like being pressed to move forward. But here it is anyway. I grew up in a movement that thought they knew everything. In fact, their acronym meant, we've got it all. Well, we didn't have it all. We had what God had given to that point many, many decades before. But then we just thought that this was all God had. And we would say, you know, there is no apostolic today. There is no prophetic today. All of those fivefold gifts, except for our own definition of what pastors and teachers were, and evangelists, which was a totally perverted definition that modern world has for what an evangelist should be, we basically say an evangelist is somebody who can preach really fiery and build a crowd up and maybe bring some souls to Christ. 
Yeah, an evangelist can do those things, but that's not really what the biblical definition of what an evangelist should be. But be that as it may, when you start talking about on the basis of all you know, on the basis of where you've come, how do we move forward from here? It's not through innovation. It's not through competition. It's not through human ingenuity. It's not through, oh, let's just build a bunch of big churches and not offend anybody. That won't get you anywhere other than having a lot of numbers. You should have what God's saying freshly now. And that's what the root of wisdom and understanding is. But if, if you're not willing to say God's saying something fresh right now, if you have to wait to see where it's working all over the... We, we saw this. I remember when we first started in this pathway of really being what the Bible calls the saints, praying in diversities of tongues, being on our face before God, even God, having prophetic worship and people expressing themselves, dancing before the Lord. In this district... That was abominable. And we, we were confronted because of that. The enemy wanted to stop that. But now, 20 plus years later, oh, that's what everybody's doing. So let's do some of it at least. Some of it at least. You're still not praying in diversity so tongues are on their face, and I'm not sure about the dancing part. But we're tacitly accepting prophetic understanding. and Why? Because everybody else is doing it. We don't want to fall behind. See, the church has got to get out of that mindset or we're going to be destroyed. If you fight the newest battle with yesterday's equipment and strategies, you're going to be defeated. If you trust the wisdom of the Maginot line, I rest, rest assured the enemy is going to either fly over it or bypass it and overwhelm your nation. If you're going to charge tiger tanks with cavalry, you're going to have be a heap of death and dying in front of it. So we've got to stay current in the spirit. This is what the five wise virgins are able to do. Yeah, we're all in the same scenario. We're all needing to stop down and and rest, but not be lazy. So I think this past year has really been a testing point for all of us. How are we emerging from it? Are we ready for the breakthrough? Well, ready by the standpoint of having participated with God to when he says breakthrough, we don't have to scramble around and say, hey, give me some of your oil, lay hands on me, give me something. Let's get ready now. And in getting ready now, it's for the purpose of knowing God and communing with him. It's not just to be equipped. Yeah, this is, a, this is an informative message, but it's a challenging message, and we need to be challenged. And I know it's very difficult sometimes for people who, to hear their pastor talk to them this way. You need an evangelist to come in and give them some thumping. We need, we need to, to buck it up and be what the Nemonicos people, the saints. And so, with the base of understanding, we must, through commune with God, through the breath of God, we must move forward into fresh understandings. I think we've been pretty faithful in that. But wisdom, how we've done a thing, what we've learned... That's what's been being shaken recently. We've not lacked for fresh understanding. But wisdom, why are you doing this and why aren't you doing this, God? I just don't get it. It doesn't make any sense to me. But God's saying, are you okay? Are you provided for? Are you happy in me? You should be. Keep your eyes on me, not on the things of this world. We walk by faith, not by sight. Be ready for me to tell you what to do. 
on the basis of your accumulated wisdom from the past, be ready for a phronesis, for phronomos. That's what the wise virgins had. And again, I am not telling you what you might read in a book you picked up off the shelf says. I'm telling you what these words meant when the Spirit chose to write them. Now you have the progressive say, oh, you know what? Jesus didn't speak Greek. You know, this was, you know, uh, this, this, you really can't trust this Greek stuff. Well, that's a convenient ruse to say that. You don't recognize that modern archaeology is showing that where Jesus grew up working with Joseph as a craftsman, as a stone cutter, as a as a carpenter of both wood and stone, more stone, that there was a major Greek city right beside Nazareth. And that's undoubtedly where Joseph and Jesus worked. You mean to tell me they didn't understand Greek? You mean to tell me that they did not understand how the, you know, the Hellenistic society permeated every part of who they were? And if you wanted to be in trade, whether bartering or selling or buying, you better understand Greek. If you don't, you're going to be taken advantage of. But the progressives try to rip apart everything. They want to deconstruct everything. And God is saying, my word, which will never pass away, still breathes, still lives. Build on that. That's your rock. Are we doing that? I pray that we are. There are unprecedented days ahead. Wonderful days. Breakthrough days. It's already beginning to happen. I know those of you in Europe, you're still in lockdown, except for Switzerland, which is all green, as only the Swiss could do. Or England, that is... Opening up the bars now, the pubs, which is the best sign you can say that things are getting back to normal in England. But most of Europe is still frozen. Brazil, suffering right now. Mexico, a lot of it suffering right now. But breakthrough is ahead. We're, we're experiencing some of it except for the places in our country that want to just maintain power and keep everybody shut down. Let's, let's expect what we know cyclically when we've stood and Peretz stood in the gap. There's breakthrough coming. It's, it's on the doorstep. Let's be like these wise virgins. So how do we do it? Pray. Spend time every day praying in the Spirit, waiting on God. Feast on the Word. Study these deeper things. It's easy to do. It's easy to do. You just got to do it. You know, I remember hearing my daughters and sometimes my granddaughters, um, they'll say, they would say, it's too hard. And I'd say, it's, that's not acceptable. You're going to learn this. You're going you're gonna to go back into that class and you're, you're not going to flunk saying it's too hard. You're going to learn this. And guess what? They learned it. So I say to you, Papa Ron says to you, get with it. Recognize the times and seasons. We've been in a waiting, holding pattern which has shaken us and tested us in ways that nothing else has. God is still in control. Pray. Spend time with Him. Study the Word. God's with you. It's not too late. It's not too late. Heavenly Father, I speak blessing upon all these saints. We are to be the frontline unit 
the pioneers of what you're requiring from your church in these hours. Help us to be prepared. Help us to know you. Help us to move forward with you. And let us be used of you in the ways that you are pleased with. I speak blessing over your people. Encourage them. Help them to get onto the right path. If they're on the right path, let, let us all go deeper in you. You are a good God. You are a wonderful Lord. Your spirit is so gracious. And I, I just release these things that Jesus abounded in. I release them into your people. I release wisdom and prudence. I release Sophia and Phronesis into all of your people. This is what you abounded in, Lord, according to your scripture. And help us to keep moving with you in your mysteries, partnering with you, preparing the way of the Lord. Help us to be those people that fulfill what you put us on this earth to fulfill. We love you. And I, I pray health, provision, and encouragement to every one of your people. And we thank you for it. For we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thanks again. Um, God bless you. And I hope you can say amen and not ouch. But this is uh, a rare Pastor Ron coming after you. And I think the reason is, is that the Lord, the breakthrough, is upon us. So awake, thou that sleepest, and prepare. It's not too late. Till next time, God bless you, and goodbye.